Thanks for joining us today. If you're here for the first time, we're glad you're here. We're in a series about the book of Daniel, and we are going into chapter 6 today. So if you have your Bibles, tablets, phones, go there. Want to kind of rehash if you're joining us online as well. We're glad you're here. We miss you. We wish you could be in the room. Balcony, welcome back. Balcony, welcome back. Some of you weren't here last week because you didn't have power and you went for power for five days, six days, seven days. And maybe some of you are still waiting for power. Raise your hand if you're still waiting for power. How many were out of power for more than a day? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you. So welcome back. We're glad you're here. If you're online and you're watching from Canada or Florida or from wherever, we had this straight wind event that we've never seen anything like it in our lifetime that took out the power grid all over the place in the Wabash Valley and around central Indiana and central Illinois. And so we're, we're in recovery. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, a little cheer. That was a golf clap. All right. Want to refresh your mind? In the book of Daniel, we meet Daniel. He's a teenager. In chapter 1, they, it's all about chapter 1, Babylon having an influence on Daniel. Chapter 2 was about Daniel having an influence on Babylon and not only interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream, but also telling Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was. Daniel 3, we looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down to that 90-foot idol that was 9 feet wide, and God was present in the fire, as Dan referred to about it this morning already. Daniel 4 and 5 was about pride and about Nebuchadnezzar's pride and what occurred there, that he was like an ox out in the field. His paranoia and his ego took him to that point. And then we see the fall of Babylon with King Belshazzar. And, and we've got to realize as we read the book of Daniel, we saw Daniel in his teenage years, in his late 20s, in his 30s to 40s. Last week was in his 70s. And this week we're going to look at Daniel, who was about 80. And at the same time, we've got to remember that the first part of Daniel was written in Hebrew until about chapter 2, verse 3, and then it went to Aramaic. And so Daniel 6 is the last chapter that was written in Aramaic. And if you are a prophecy junkie, I've got something in store for you. The next three weeks, we're going to look at the apocalyptic or the revelation-like story of Daniel in the latter chapters of the book of Daniel, which has to do somewhat with the second coming and what would come and Daniel being revealed through dreams and visions, a prophetic word for us today. And so typically preachers bail at chapter 6. They are faint of heart and don't want to go down that road, but I'm going to go down for the next three weeks. So if you're a prophecy junkie, 
you know, come, because this is the, as good as it gets from Chris. Because I've thought about preaching out of Revelation, doing the whole book as a series, and I just don't know how to do that without spending at least half a year to three quarters of a year, and, and we would get bogged down, and I would lose a lot of you. So just realize that. Maybe we'll do a Bible study sometime and just emphasize that, because that would be the best way to deliver that. And as we look at Daniel 6, we got to realize that this is Daniel's final demonstration and illustration for those of us who are seeking to live for God within a very godless culture. What's interesting is a lot of times we, we cast a lot of judgment and negativity toward a culture that isn't in Christ, and we got to realize that they are lost without Christ, but really where the holiness and, and where the conviction should come is within the body of Christ. And where the revival should come is from us, not from them. We need to pray for them because they are in the darkness. They are under, under a different reign than we are. We serve the sovereign God. And so we need to have kindness and compassion and gentleness and reason with those who are far from God. Just as Jesus did. His harshest rebuke was against the Pharisees and those that claimed to be religious leaders of the day. And I just want to remind you, as I've said before, that Daniel was 80 to 90 years old. Now, I have a flannel board, and for some of you, you may not familiar, be familiar with this high-tech uh, apparatus that I have here. But here is... Daniel, as I remember him, in fact, he's kind of a more of a modern Daniel, and you may not be able to see that online, but he has a red beard and he's youngish. Well, he should have a white beard and look a little bit more feeble than this able-bodied character that we're seeing on the flannel board right, right now. This is how I learned Bible stories as, as a child. And in fact, our preschool director, Shaley Stance, loaned that to me so I could demonstrate what a flannel graph board was. Because some of you never seen that before. Kind of cool. That's, that, that was my entertainment as a child in Sunday school. Pretty cool. Now, as we look at the book of Daniel, I also want to encourage you with this. It is, you're, it is never too late. You're never too old to begin to build it in daily rhythms into your day that encourage emotional and spiritual strength and resolve in the face of adversity. It's never too late to spend some time with the Lord to, to develop that relationship and develop that faith because adversity is going to come. Losses are going to occur as you go throughout this life. Jesus warned us. He said, in this life, you will have trouble, but never fear, I have overcome the world. And spiritual and emotional maturity is not a result of a decision that you make in a moment. It is the result of habits you've been developing over time. It's day by day developing your relationship and growing stronger in your faith. Because it just won't show up all at once. In those moments of desperation, you need to have it backed up. And so the question then becomes, how do you build character that can handle adversity? How do you do that? Now, Daniel's fascinating to me. 
Just fascinating. If you think about the guy, he served King Nebuchadnezzar. He served probably King Nebuchadnezzar, which is Nebuchadnezzar's son. And I say that quickly because I'm quite, not quite sure how to pronounce it, but I say it with confidence, just so you know. And then he served Belshazzar, and then the kingdom fell, like we saw last week, to the Medes and the Persians. They snuck under the, the moat in in Babylon, and Belshazzar died, and now we see a new king, which may not have been the king that actually took over Babylon, but was the king in chapter 6. And if you notice, if you read the first few verses, that there were 120 satraps, which were kind of like governors of regions, and then there were three important cabinet members that were governors over the country, and then there was King Darius. Now, in verse 3 of Daniel 6, notice what it says. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Wow. What kind of spirit was that? It was the spirit of God, right? Nod your heads. It was the spirit of God. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, he wasn't going to be third in the kingdom. He was going to be number one, just second to the king. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, Joseph was that guy. Remember, who was Pharaoh's right-hand man? It was Joseph. Go figure. Now, when I meet an older, wise, and seasoned person over the age of 65 that is joyful, thoughtful, teachable, humble, and encouraging, I know two things. First of all, I want to be like them. I know that. And number two, they've put in the hard work. This doesn't occur overnight, this kind, patient, humble, fruit of the spirit bearing character of integrity person doesn't happen overnight. They've done the work in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s and their 50s and in their 60s. This has been a pattern of behavior. They've chosen to be positive over negative. They've weathered some storms. They have put in the hard work. And we have some people like that around here. And I just love them. Uh, Mitch Chalos, we called him back into the administrator role. He said, Chris, I don't want to do that. I, I am retired. And I said, hey, I'm preaching through the book of Daniel. Daniel was in his 80s. Are you in your 80s yet? <laughs> well, I like to wear my pajama pants in the morning. And I, I made a concession. I said, you can wear your pajama pants to work, Mitch, if you want to. Larry Gurton, uh, CJ, and, and the kids were going to, was it CIY or was it CIY? Bus broke down. Go figure. If you're a youth pastor, buses break down. In fact, we had somebody on Facebook say, hey, that's just a youth group trip, the bus breaking down. Well, it broke down out at the highway, and Larry Gurton got called, and Larry's in his 80s. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that, but he's in his 80s, and he went out and he fixed the bus. And God provided the part and the people and the wherewithal, but he was willing to be used of God. And I hope that is characteristic of your life. What, what amazes me about Daniel is his leadership ability. It was extraordinary. He was ten times greater at everything than everyone else. So he was set apart, but it, this creates 
a jealousy when somebody is way beyond everybody else, then, then, you know, political and drama occur because, hey, we want that position. But God gave it to Daniel. And so what occurs? Look at verse 4. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. This is political intrigue. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Can you imagine a political figure that had no recording, no posting, no social media, no drama, no financial lack of integrity in their lives? No second and third wives, no mistress, no anything? That was Daniel. Unbelievable. To serve as a civil servant for over six decades? Unbelievable. Verse 5, then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And so they set him up. Look at verses 6 through 9. This is, this is amazing. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions." Oh, now, O king, establish the injunctions and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Now, this was a brilliant trap. They had devised a way to get rid of Daniel. And it was going to cost him his life. Now, Daniel probably saw this signed into law, or at least knew about it as being one of the top three, going to be the number one. And he had to ask himself, what am I going to do when this occurs? And, and when we experience adversity, when we, we endure trials and temptation, that should be our question. What am I going to do? How am I going to respond? Because it's going to happen. You need to determine what you're going to do ahead of time. And, and, and let's look. How does Daniel respond in this situation? When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to the house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So I don't have... I don't have... Here's Daniel praying. For you... Young people that never have had flannel graph before, I just want to have you have this experience and to know what it was like back in the dark ages. 
So he prayed. What? He didn't do anything differently. That was a pattern of behavior that was established before all of this. And what did he do? He marched right to his home. It was time to pray. So he prayed. That was what was going on in Daniel's mind. And, and he expressed his gratitude to God. Look at that passage. And he gave thanks to God. I don't know what he gave thanks for. Maybe for God blessing him through this exile. Now, someone came out of first service and said, you know, if you rip me from my home and take me to a far off country, I'm probably going to be bitter for the rest of my life. Not Daniel. He knew the prophecy. Jeremiah said, you're going to be here for 70 years. In fact, Daniel knew that the ex, what, exhalation, whatever you want to call it, that there was a possibility that he might get ready, be able to go back to Israel because that time of being exiled was almost over. Now the question and the application comes to this. How have you handled the greatest crises in your life? Were you like Daniel? Did you go before the Lord in faith? Did you, were you grateful? When we sing that song where it talks about Joy in the trial. I'm still learning that. I don't rejoice in those trials. In fact, I probably go to God and I say, God, do you know what you're doing? Hey, can't you let up on me a little bit? Can't, can't you make this easier? But God's purpose is not fulfilled without trial. And you're, you all are familiar with Google, and I like to ask questions to Google. And a lot of times Google will, will finish my question, autofill. And sometimes, like Siri, she autofills something that I don't want and gives me something that I don't want to hear. And so I, I turned Siri off this last week. I did. All my devices. Siri, you're gone. You're banished from my life. Because Siri interrupts at different times, and I don't really want to talk to Siri. She's not a real person. Uh, and, and artificial intelligence is not all that great yet, but it will be. But what, what's your autofill response to crisis? What do you do? Look at verses 11 through 15. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. They... Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction. Now this, this is going before the most powerful person in the world at that, at that time. They came near and said before the king concerning the injunction. And they were reminding him, O oh, king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or any man within 30 days except to you, O oh, king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Now, Darius had to look at them and say, I'm not stupid. Yeah, I just signed that injunction. What, what's your point? Then the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Come on, guys. You're pretty smart. You know what I just signed. And then they answered. And here's where they spring the trap. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king. Or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. You remember the guy that you're going to promote to number one? He's not one of us. He's a Jew from Judah. And he's an exile. So he's not worthy 
But the king had a different heart. King Darius was different than Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar in this sense. That he loved Daniel. It's obvious in, in this passage. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. He did everything he could possibly, but he had signed it into law. And then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Again, like, like he's dense. I believe that they were, he was resenting what they were saying to him, don't you? I mean, why would you repeat it so many times? He knew the law. And then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. Here was the God who was the God, or I mean, who was supposed to, the guy who was supposed to be the God, who, who uh, was... master of the universe at that time who was saying, I hope your God delivers you. Now, I had Daniel turned upside down. I just want you to see. Now, these look like friendly lions, don't they? You got it? And here's young Daniel, and this would be old, feeble Daniel. And I hope they cast him gently into the lion's den because he... he at 80 years old or 90 years old, it was a little breakable at that moment. You understand? You follow what I'm saying? And these lions look friendly, but they weren't. In fact, as I was doing research on Google this morning, and they were autofilling, there actually is a cave lion that was around in Greece about the time that Daniel was alive that is now extinct, that doesn't look like our lion. It doesn't have as big a mane and its face was more pushed in. Fascinating. But, but can you imagine being lowered or cast into a pit where lions have been? If you've ever been to the exotic feline rescue, I just want to prepare you. It doesn't smell good. There is a very strong cat odor there that you can smell as you pass by. And in fact, it is quite a chore to feed. I don't know how many lions and tigers they have out there, but probably, I don't know, 50 to 100, I'm guessing. I don't know. A lot. And so they take whole cows and horses and whatever, and, and they feed them to these lions, and these lions just devour it. In fact, when I go out there and I help every once in a while, they look at me like a chopped beef. I mean, it's, they lick their lips. It's a little uh, scary. And these lions were hungry. And what's fascinating, it says in verse 17, And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Now, do you remember another cave, a tomb that was sealed and a, stock, a, a, a stone was rolled in front of it? You're hearing that foreshadow that Daniel is sharing in this moment. 
Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he came, or he cried out in a tone of anguish. And the the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you? From the lions. And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Nearly the exact words that the satraps and the governors said to the king to convince him to make this an injunction. Do you think there was a little sarcasm and stab there? Now they say that the only person that got a good night's sleep that night was Daniel. The lions didn't sleep. The satraps and the governors were celebrating. The king didn't sleep out of concern, but Daniel had a good night's sleep. And this was Daniel's response to the king. He said, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. And the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. And that would be nice if that was the end of the story. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And then the king commanded that those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast in the den alliance. And that would be okay if it just stopped there. But it doesn't. They, their children, and their wives... And you might say there, well, that's why I don't like the Old Testament and that's why I don't like God. is because innocent people suffer and die. And in this moment, you're exactly right. People suffered and died. But it wasn't of God. And before they reached the bottom of the den, if you're wondering if the lions were hungry or not, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Now, two observations. First of all, The consequences of sin harm the innocent as well as the sinner. There's always consequences and there's always collateral damage when you commit sin. There's consequences. God loves you. Jesus died for your sin. He covers it in grace, but there's still consequences. And second, just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean God endorses it. In fact... In the Bible, it says that the sins of the children, the sins of the father should not be visited or the consequences should not be on their children. And so this was a pagan king who was doing justice according to pagan culture at that time. You see, if you maliciously accuse someone of something and they're found innocent, then you receive the punishment. And not only you, but your family received the punishment that you expected them to have. And that is exactly what happens here. And then King Darius writes this. He said, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. 
God saved. God rescued. God delivered. And I, I want to look at three application questions this morning as I wrap up. First question is this, who are you going to be when the season of adversity comes? It may just not be a moment, it may be for a season. Who are you going to be? You need to pre-decide that. Make that decision. Am I going to lean into God and be faithful to Him? And we've all seen people that blow up and, and lose it in that moment. And we need to lean in and pray to God. We need to establish the rhythms that, that we need to be ready. And the second question is, have you developed the spiritual rhythms that will help you build grit and build that character? And, and that needs to be pre-decided now. You're never too old to start. You're never too young to start. And, and here are some of them. This, this fall, we're going to be in a series called Rooted. And it's about being rooted into God and our spiritual connection with God. And we're going to look at seven different rhythms. That's coming up in probably August and September. And, and we're going to challenge you to, to make and have a daily quiet, quiet time. A devotional time of reading the word and praying. And now I challenge you to be engaged in corporate work, worship weekly. If you're joining us online and there's a church nearer to you in Florida and Canada or wherever you are, get involved. Be in the room. Because we need each other. We are created to be in community. There was a time when monasteries and there were monks and there were nuns that separate themselves from the culture and separate themselves from the body of Christ and really kind of just dwell amongst themselves. That's not what we see in Scripture. We were made for community. We need each other. Third, be engaged in a life group or Sunday school class, student ministry, children's ministry, Weekly, you know, I my heart goes out to kids that that don't hear these stories and don't know about this God and don't know of what God has done, so that we can instill still those characteristics of God into their lives, that they might know and be encouraged. If they don't get it here, they're not going to get it. And then serve others. If you're stale, if you're stagnant, if you're in the doldrums of Christianity, perhaps you've been taking too much in, not that that's wrong, but you're not involved in a life of service. We need folks in every area of ministry. What God calls you to, whether it's inside or outside of the church, serve in some way. Because you'll find in that moment joy and direction and purpose in serving. And the third is last is this. Are you determined and available to be used by God in every age and stage of your life? Daniel was. You say, well, he was serving a king and, and Chris, you know, he had no choice. Well, I think he had a choice. He could have slacked off. He could have been lazy. He could have said, man, I'm too old. I'm too feeble. I, I just don't have the energy anymore. But he didn't. He kept on doing what he did to the very nth degree with that ability in serving and leadership. And right now, I, I just got to tell you, I think we as a church, not only at First Christian Church Brazil, but across the nation and around the world, 
there needs to be a next generation of leaders rise up in every area and every aspect of ministry. And we have leadership nominations for elders and deacons right now. But not only that, but to be to rise up in every industry and be a Daniel. To be ten times better than anybody else. That they can glorify God in those positions and say, It's not me, it's God that gave me this ability. And I'm just doing what God has created me for. That's what we need. And I, I don't want you to miss this as I'm wrapping up today. It's, do you see Jesus in the book of Daniel? I do. Were there religious leaders and other leaders that were jealous of Jesus? Absolutely. Did they conspire against him just like Daniel? Absolutely. Was he brought before a government official, the one that was in charge of the region, to be judged and executed? Absolutely. Jesus was executed on a cross. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. Both had tombs that were sealed. Daniel came out alive. Jesus was dead for three days and came alive by the grace of God, resurrected to glorify God for the salvation of our souls that we might have the Spirit of God inside of us. Isn't it interesting that in the Old Testament there's a foreshadow of what was to come even in the life of Daniel? This morning, God, does, God wants to do a work in your life. He wants to move in you, to use you for His will, for His kingdom, in His service, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Would you please stand and pray with me? Eternal God and Father, we are grateful. We're grateful we're not in the lion's den, that we're not under persecution like Daniel, that hopefully no one is conspiring against us, but that, Father, that you are doing a work in our lives and that you're calling us to your service. And Father, for those that are struggling even with the idea of belief and knowing who Jesus is, may they be moved by your Spirit, transformed by your Spirit, brought to their senses that they might know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And for us, Father, who are walking in faith, that are trying to cooperate with your Spirit, to be transformed, and Father, sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we don't do what we should. Just help us to realize the grace that you have for us as well. And Father, that your work isn't finished in our lives, but there's a hope that we can have in you, that you are doing your work in us. And you are on schedule, even if we aren't. And Father, may we be faithful at every age and every stage of our lives, that we can give you glory. And Father, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.